The Automotive News Europe podcast is brought to you by Hyundai Motor Europe, one of the leading providers of electrified mobility solutions in Europe. From hybrid and battery electric to fuel cell vehicles, Hyundai is paving the way to make environmentally friendly mobility available to all. Hello and welcome to the Automotive News Europe podcast for May 13th, 2021. I'm your host, Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor of A&E. Great to have you along today. Long time or no executive, Denny Laveau started 2021 with a new job. He is the first CEO of a business unit that combines Dacia and Lada. Renault decided to put its two so-called value-for-money brands under the same umbrella to increase their synergies. The biggest part of this will be underpinning all of their future models with the same platform, starting with the new generation Dacia Sandero that debuted this year. Laveau said the combined brands will follow a formula that Dacia has perfected, which is re-engineering and repurposing assets from within the Renault Group to provide a no-frills product at a price that rivals struggle to match. Laveau stressed that Being affordable doesn't mean that Dacia and Lada will make boring cars. No, quite the contrary. He wants their new models to be both aspirational and cool. Hi, Denis. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Automotive News Europe podcast. Hello, Doug. Always a pleasure talking to you guys. Why did Renault Group decide to combine Dacia and Lada into a single business unit? The reason that uh, Renault Group has been combining um, Dacia and Lada in a single business unit is very simple. It's mostly the sharing of the synergies on the platform. Why? Because both brands are very similar, if you think about it. They have a different geography. Dacia is more, let's say, European central, and North Africa central. Lada is more in Russia and CIS neighboring countries. Though, in their respective markets, they are both defining the essential and being, you know, uh, very much cost-oriented, the best value for money in their own market. The thing is, we are gradually switching at Dacia on a brand new platform named CMFB, which has just started, let's say, six months ago with the launch of the Sandero, and will gradually, in the coming, let's say, decade, be cover all the range of the Dacia product. And at the same time, we have a legacy in Lada that makes that these company is too scattered in terms of technologies and platform because it's almost one car, one platform because of the history. And then Lada is going to profit by this very same CMFB platform, gradually just the same. This should be something about a little more than a million car being produced in our factories and factories, I include Lada into this, which gives a very substantial base in order to go and look for the synergies. That, that is the main reason. What are the goals of the new Dacia Lada? Is it more sales, perhaps more profits, higher pricing power? Well, the goals actually very easy to understand. The first one is to remain who we are, to remain true to ourselves. And these go for both brands. And we are probably, both brands are probably something a little unique uh, in Europe and in Russia. And I will, I will try to summarize very simply. We are redefining the essential of the automotive, this is the way we call ourselves, by offering the best value for money. 
which means that our first goal is to stay true to this, which is to, we call this design to cost, which is always re-engineer from the existing assets of the alliance of Renault, Nissan, the big alliance, to re-engineer the existing asset to stick exactly to the need of the client. And this is what you can find, for instance, with a Sandero today that we are launching, right? Because we can start a Sandero at an access price between eight to 9,000 euros in the B segment that competition cannot do. And why? Because there, there is no luxury. There is nothing which is a superfluous, okay? So we just define the exact essential. This is number one, and this is who we are. We will stay true to this. We will also continue having a very efficient industrial setup, okay? We are manufacturing our cars in big factories, more than 300,000 a year. We continue doing this. And we will also continue distributing our cars the way we do, which you probably know, which is zero rebate, no rebate, no negotiation, very lean, very simple. Into this, we can say that we're a simple brand. We could even try maybe a honest brand because we are easy to read and easy to understand. By the way, this makes cars that people keep a long time, more than eight years in average, and this makes excellent residual value. So number one, we will stay true to this. Despite that, if I would put a goal to the brands, is essential doesn't mean boring. So we have a journey that we are organizing in terms of design. And maybe you've seen us releasing, for instance, the future CSUV crossover that we call Duster. And we've realized that we can bring the brand to another level in terms of design, in terms of being more aspirational to the client. And by the way, both brands a little in the same way, which is bringing a touch of coolness and a touch of outdoor, which is what we are already, uh, if you take the Duster or if you take the Sandero Stepway, but we are going to, to strengthen this path. And, and the third one, of course, as a target, as a goal, is to open new horizon, uh, namely, of course, the CSUV, which is the biggest segment in Europe. And we think that our recipe that has proven so efficient on the B segment, we also can carry that on the C segment. Talking about volumes, I would not. What we are, we, we are specifically a retail-oriented brand. So we care pretty much about this. We don't, we're not pushing any fleet or channels or nothing of that kind. Our size is a result of this, and we will continue this. I mean, what we are looking for is to gain whatever top three in the segments that we are playing in the countries in the pure retail channel. You're moving into the C segment. Can you tell us a little bit about that move and what you expect from that? Well, the move is somewhat natural in a sense that the new platform permits. This is very essential. Our new platform, the, the new CMFB platform that we've uh, launched with the Sandero, as you could discover, makes um, better NVH, uh, better uh, behavior of the car compared to the old platform, a wider platform, a bigger platform and that permits us and you the duster and the bixer especially that you saw on the presentation of the revolution plan that was made by the group is designed for that platform so we have the asset that permits to go there and by the pricing which is to say the balance between the content and the price that we already we have proven we can do for the new sandero we are kind of sure that we can copy paste this recipe on the c segment why are we going there obviously because this is where this is where the volumes are so this is this is the next step uh, for the brand and we think we can go there and we think we can exactly copy paste our recipe and be the best value for money of the segment what other changes can we expect to see 
in the upcoming year. Well, the changes in our range are uh, two steps. The first one is exactly right now, 2021, and they are big. So number one, of course, is the brand new Sandero. Uh, you may not know, but is uh, the number one retail car in Europe, okay? And for the last three years in a row. And we are um, renewing the success with the brand new Sandero. Brand new Sandero is the number one car on the new CMFB platform that we are launching. So it shows our know-how and it proves that we have a future uh, for the next decade on the market because it showed very successful as received by the press, of course, and also by the public today uh, because our portfolio of orders is very, very substantial. Very substantial, sorry. So for the news on their road, this is the bigger thing which is happening starting, sorry, this year. The number two in terms of novelty is, of course, the spring that we presented to the press already that will be available in this version uh, for retail public in the month of uh, September. And the spring is probably something like the, the next, the new revolution made by Dacia, because spring is about, you know, offering the affordable electric mobility for all. And, and spring, again, in terms of design to cost, it shows the know-how of Dacia. We don't go on a market or a segment if we, if we are not true to ourselves. And thanks to the size of the car, which is uh, 3.73 meters, thanks to the weight of the car, which is less than one ton, we, could have an, we have an offer actually that is at the same time offering WLTP city usage more than 300 kilometers of range, right? With a limited, and that's the reason why we can do that, a limited size and weight of the engine on the one hand and also on the battery. So there are in Europe 15 million people that are commuting every day to go to their jobs, to go to supermarket, to go to school with their cars doing in an average 33.0 kilometers per day, which is very, very small. And we, are, we have exactly the offer that goes in front of these people. And we have here a product which is a, a real car, a real four-seater. And this is not, you know, a simple or, or very uh, light car that we're offering. So it's a real offer we're having. And we're sure we're going we're gonna to move again the rules of the market uh, with this car. And then the second wave will be for a bit later down the road in the plan that will be when we, when we renew completely this time uh, the duster and we enter at the same time on the CSUV with the Bigster, which, which will come a little later. You're still heavily dependent on combustion engines. Can you give us a little bit of a game plan for your move into sort of mixing up your powertrain lineup? Well, regarding our powertrain lineup, the, the beauty of our technical solution from the Alliance is that we are using the CMFB platform, which is 100% compatible with the, let's say, existing use of the CMFB platform being done uh, by Renault as a brand, which is to say that the E-Tech, the HEVs, the PHEVs, uh, and the all the electrifications of the platforms are already available. So this is something that we can get whenever we want. This is not what we are looking for, because we define the exact essentials of the moment. At the moment, for instance, we are offering LPG on most of our cars, and LPG can go up to, let's say, 30% of the orders of a Sandero today. So we are having an offer adequate uh, between the needs of our customer and the requirement of the CO2. And as time goes by, as regulation goes by, as Euro 7 will pop up, etc., etc., then we will go and pick in the existing technical database of the company and, of course, adapt any necessary HEV, etc., We'll continue our conversation with Denis Laveau after this message.
Hyundai Motor is one of the leading providers of electrified mobility solutions in Europe. With hybrid, mild hybrid, plug-in hybrid, battery electric, and hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, Hyundai offers the most diverse lineup of alternative powertrains on the market. Under the vision of Progress for Humanity, the company aims to make high-quality, environmentally conscious mobility solutions available to all. Today, more than 75% of Hyundai's lineup in Europe is available as an electrified version. As a pioneer in zero-emission mobility, Hyundai offers a range of leading emission-free vehicles. It ranges from the full-electric subcompact SUV Kona Electric to the second-generation fuel cell electric vehicle Nexo. The company's progressive spirit is most strongly embodied in Ionic 5, its latest all-electric vehicle and the first model to be launched under the Ionic lineup brand. With outstanding range, ultra-fast charging technology, and unique interior, which functions as a smart living space, Ionic 5 is redefining electromobility lifestyles. With its fleet of fuel cell trucks, Hyundai is also ahead in zero-emission heavy-duty mobility solutions. By 2025, over 1,600 Exxion fuel cell trucks will run on Swiss roads. To learn more about how Hyundai is shaping the future, tune into Are We There Yet?, an automotive podcast hosted by Susie Perry. Get a peek behind the curtain as Susie investigates the world-changing ideas coming out of the workshops, labs, and secret test tracks of Hyundai. Tune in on any podcast listening platform as well as Hyundai.news. We're going to switch now to speaking about Lada. Absolutely a dominant brand in Russia. Will this change? They are very focused on the Russian market, pretty much Russia-only vehicles. Are we going to see that expand, or are you going to just continue to just be the, uh, the, the car of the people of Russia? Lada, as you said, yes, it's a very, it's a, has a very unique history with Russia, of course, right? Everybody in Russia has a, a story. Uh, with Lada, a family story, a remembering, etc., etc. Still, Lada is exporting, mostly today in what we call the CS country, the, the community of independent states, which are the country neighboring Russia. This is the biggest place, but also in North Africa, they are operating a small factory with an importer in Egypt. They have some business in Latin America. So, so they have some exports. And Lada has a rough and tough uh, DNA, especially with the Niva, that we are preserving. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the Lada product range, but the turnaround has already started, okay? Because if you take uh, um, the sedans, for instance, there's uh, the biggest car sold by uh, Lada today, which is called the Vesta, is uh, number two in the country. Number one, of course, uh, being the Granta, which is another Lada, and they have a solid uh, market share above 20% in Russia. To your your very precise point, we are studying all the opportunities with the company for the exports. This is a direction that we absolutely want to take. So the answer is yes. And, and potentially there is a special role, a special place that can be uh, played by the Niva more than the brand Lada because Niva in the rememberings in the, in the, in the public of a lot of countries of around the world, not only Western Europe, still is an iconic uh, vehicle with which, when we are renewing the car, we also constantly think about the potential for exports. And you have an incredible perspective on the Russian market. Historically, it has been a roller coaster. Up one year, down the next. Up one year, down the next. And 
Renault-Nissan-Mitsubishi, the alliance, is heavily vested in that market and largely has been able to avoid a lot of these major swings because of the power of the Renault and the latter brands. What kind of outlook do you have for the Russian market for the rest of this year and going forward? Well, it is true that the Russian market is um, kind of unsteady sometimes, though I would like to attract your attention to the fact that in 2020, it has been decreasing less than what we had mostly around the world, even even in uh, Western Europe, right? So it's a little more steady. This is the second market of the group for Renault when you put together the brands which we have in Russia, which is Lada on the one hand and Renault on the other hand, right? With, a, let's say, uh, close to 30% of the volume of the global market, which means that um, our brands, and of course, especially Lada, is uh, very, very integrated in the market in all sense in the sense of customer intimacy. So we know the car that Russian people use and the car that they want. Also in the industrial uh, standpoint, so we have a very, very high level of integration of our car with local content that makes when the money devaluates or, you know, we are less maybe subject uh, to the currency inside the Russian market. Hence, uh, of course, our historical strong presence uh, on the market. This being said, of course, uh, the prospect for the market is still is always very, very uncertain. Uh, we think that um, in the visible, you know, um, coming months and years, we have a solid or we have a position around 1.7 million, which is something that we think will be okay with, of course, and that includes federal market supports, right, uh, that exist to sustain uh, the market and still to be decided, by the way, for the H2 of 2021, okay. And, and we think we think that uh, this could be more or less the values of the market for 2021, 20, 22 even, and that the potential of 2 million is something that we can imagine being back in 2024, uh, 2025. Of course, this is uh, as any prospection on the market due to what's going to happen with uh, replications or COVID or pandemia, etc., etc. But we think that 2 million is a level of the market that, that, that is foreseeable in 24-25. Denny, I love your energy and you have yourself a couple of real interesting brands to look after for the years coming forward. So thank you very much for joining us today for the Automotive News Europe podcast. Thank you, Doug, and thank you to anyone listening to Automotive News. Always a pleasure. Bye-bye. We reached Denny Laveau at his office in Paris. If you have an idea for a future podcast or would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me at dbolduck at autonews.com. For breaking news, please visit europe.autonews.com. You can listen to this podcast and a range of others from the Automotive News Group on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, or on our website at europe.autonews.com. That wraps up this episode of the Automotive News Europe podcast for May 13th, 2021. I'm your host, Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor at a &E. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you'll tune in again next time.